Good morning, everyone. So following from last night's talk, we're going to, again, use a primary object of attention. And that's something that you've been building your relationship to. And I'll describe that primary relationship as being the breath and working with the breath. But again, some of you are not using the breath, and that's totally fine. So first thing is to get a lot of permission, sort of global permission, that you're allowed to relax and to walk out in faith that you really can let go of everything. You can let go of the past. The past is still there. The past will come. Future will come. The past will come. Memories of the past will come. (laughs) And it's to relax everything that the mind thinks it needs to think about and give yourself a lot of permission to do that. So global relaxation so that you can more fully and faithfully rest in something simple and teach your mind it doesn't have to do 10,000 things to feel safe or oriented, that it could rest in something simple. They've already been doing that, but I would invite you to have gentle, courageous faith to keep orienting the mind towards your simple object of attention with a sense of global relaxation and that you're not attending the breath now so you'll get some future payoff. It's even helpful to let go of ideas of future payoff and see if in-breathing and out-breathing could be enough or attending something simple and see what type of contentment is there with being with something so simple, so continuously. And what you'll see is sometimes the mind doesn't find it satisfying and is more likely to have agitation. Sometimes it does find it satisfying. And when your heart and mind find the present moment satisfying, have that experience and also look, wow, I didn't know this mind could be content with something as simple and ordinary as a breath or sounds, or when I'm doing walking meditation, just immediate sights, this present moment actually is enough for this present mind. And then the next moment is enough for the next mind. So we are orienting towards that and see if you can tap into contentment and interest with simple things. There are some tools that help with this. So every now and then you can do a reflection to kind of regain some interest, some reminding yourself that breathing is not something we should take for granted. And breathing is something that when approached is something you can appreciate when approached mindfully with these jhana factors. And if the mind can't find the breath satisfying, there might be a hindrance present. But there again, just see if you can trust the breath 
and go through periods where it's not so validating. Usually you're just passing through temporary hindrances. They move on, but that loyalty has been practiced. I'll be with the breath even if I'm tired. Be with the breath even if I'm restless, irritated. I've got some craving fantasy. I'm going to have this uh, reference point of breathing through it all. I'm not going to fight what's not the breath. I'm not going to get tense around things that are not the breath. My mind wanders if somebody coughs, if uh, a truck shows up to deliver food and there's a lot of beeping. Just breathe in that moment. Trust the breath, but don't strain to block out other things. Let the breath draw you in versus your mind working hard not to have other experiences. And that's the right attitude of meditation practice. Relaxed and patient to let it ripen. There are also a few tools that people have used over the years that are helpful if used in the right way. So one is uh, noting to yourself the word in when you breathe in, the word out when you breathe out. That little word is just to remind you, this is where we're trying to hold our attention gently. This is in, out, in, out. And it's not to again wrestle with the mind or uh, overly command the mind, but as a nice little reminder that This is where we're intending to be. Some people enjoy counting breaths. But again, it's an enjoyment. It's not a a harsh work ethic. So you can say one as you breathe in, relax, breathe out. Two as you breathe in. And then see if you can make it up to a small number. Like we're not trying to get in the hundreds. Usually people just repeat after five or after ten, start again. And play with that so that the volume's right, the tone of the counting is right, so that it's patient. Most of your attention is on your primary object. And you just have this very light side note that keeps reminding, I'm actually trying to stay with this object. Some people like counting down. Uh, it's a little more thrilling. <laughs> so ten nine, eight, then you get to one, nothing happens. <laughs> but there is this sort of associated thrill that we're counting down, down, down. And then you start again. So having a sense of playfulness is helpful. So let's find a posture that's kind to our animal bodies. Taking some breaths in. Just about releasing any foreground or background tensions or preoccupations. Then see if you can breathe and be aware of your breathing that feels like a sanctuary. 
that feels like uh, rain after a hot, dry, dusty season, cooling off what's agitated. Relate to your breathing in a way that's soothing, relaxing. And interesting. We have trillions of cells, and each cell is a little fire of metabolism. And every time you breathe in, like gently blowing on the coals of fire, your body's metabolism. A little reflection like that, feeding my cells with this in-breath. I'm releasing the smoke of these fires with my out-breath. Not to get too caught up in that image, but just a little reminder, this breath is special. This breath is life. This breath is always happening. Could it be a place that feels like a sanctuary, like a good friend, like something reliable? No part of you has to look ahead on an in-breath to be prepared for the out-breath. The out-breath will happen exactly when it happens. So you can relax, rest, let an in-breath be an in-breath, an out-breath be an out-breath. with no planning on your part, there's another in-breath. You're being welcomed to something that's not agitating, not complicated, not a strain to create. There's temporary refuge on a temporary object
you can experiment with saying in on the in-breath and out on the out-breath. It's a very light support to keep reminding yourself when possible that's where the attention could be. Simple in and out. The second part of the simple instruction, after being aware when we breathe in and aware when we breathe out, is to be aware while you're breathing in and practice letting go. To be aware when we're breathing out and practice letting go. We welcome these experiences of simple breathing. And then maybe it begins with the out-breath, a natural experience, out-breath and letting go. We may notice that the in-breath 
means we've let go of the out-breath. It's already been released. We're there with each part of the breathing. And then we allow the breathing process to help us release, relax, and let go. making more room for what arises next, which is also released, relaxed, and let go.
we can experiment with using counting the breath or the breath cycle to see if that helps us ever so slightly have a little more commitment to not drift off when the breath feels homogenous, not quite interesting or unique. We're adding a very light support to our intention. explore the breath as a refuge.
and we can take note of our own hearts and minds as a direct experience when they are content with just in-breathing and out-breathing. Often a quiet flow of mind that doesn't stand out But if simple in-breathing and out-breathing is relieving, is settling, aids us in ease, letting go, that's a heart that's starting to delight in simple breathing. You can't grab it or keep it but you could take note of your own mind, your own heart, when it's satisfied with breathing.
give time for a few questions from your practice. We want to first open the questions for those who don't have meetings today and for those who haven't asked a question yet. So let's take a moment and let those people figure out who they are. So I asked my amazing teacher yesterday about this, and I used all of the tricks, and it's still happening. I have a sound worm. It's a different song today. Yesterday it was a salsa song. Today it's a, another one. And even giving metta to myself and counting, it still hovers like a background piece. And so I'm just asking you, Temple, if you have any other suggestions. When I was in Burma, it was Janis Joplin and Pink Floyd. <laughs> and it's a, just a little bit like if there was a migrating flock of birds and they were really happy in that tree, chirping, 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 chirping. And it's like, wow, that's hard to be with something subtle like the breath when there's a secondary experience. And so one, one thing about, one thing that we're doing is we're, we are preferencing to be with the breath, but attention can come in where something else, some other part of reality that we probably wouldn't mind in other circumstances becomes a struggle in these. And there is some effort put in, but the effort starts to have a goal or an agenda that it will be one way and not another, then we're actually starting to get too tight in our frame on the breath and not some other experience. And so having, getting a flood of emotion, getting a flood of mental thoughts, flood of memories, or having uh, birds chirping outside or delivery trucks come, in through all of that, the simplicity is, I happen to be breathing in, I happen to be breathing out while all of this is happening. And it's like, but it does make it harder to take refuge in the breath when there are these other things. Luckily, those other things are temporary, even though they sound, they sometimes feel like they have become permanent and they are the deathless. <laughs> it's just one more circumstance out of the trillions that reality can serve up where can I breathe in while this is happening? Can I breathe out? Can I practice letting go? That's like, and got to experience this a lot when I was in Burma with my own internal sounds, but also the sounds of Burmese culture. And they didn't bat an eye that like, oh, ooh, really? Sorry. Ooh, ah, it's like, Where's your breath? Were you breathing in while that truck was dumping all the lumber next to? It's like, no, I, I couldn't. It's like, be more careful to find your breath. Otherwise, you'll be lost in those sounds. And they believed in me that it was possible. And it took time, patience. It was humiliating, but that led to humility. And 
gentle persistence. And then when the trucks left, what was left over was resolve, commitment, patience. And then the challenge was temporary, but the growing loyalty to my breath in all conditions, no matter what, uh, is what was developed. Thank you. Um, let's go there and then there. I have um, a couple things happening instead of counting, and so I had some questions. As any alternatives? One is uh, the belly involving the belly, and so the breath that goes down into the belly and comes back up. It's not as simple as simple a breath, but it helps me concentrate. So if it doesn't feel like hard work, maybe that's a possibility. The other thing that comes up for me is um, a phrase that I learned a long time ago from Thich Nhat Hanh, which is, breathing in, I calm myself. Breathing out, I smile. And so these are words that gets associated with just the breath in and breath out. So those are the two things that keep on coming up when I'm practicing. They seem to help me to calm down and stay with the breath. But I, I wanted to get your feedback on that. Yeah, and so we look for the breath wherever it's obvious and wherever that part of the breath helps us with some stability but also a sense of ease. So being with any part of the breath is good. And then what you might notice just as the days go by and the ups and downs of ourselves go by, that finding a slightly more quiet part of the breath might align with the mind that's quieting down. That's why we talked about, I talked about making a target that's very subtle and that was useful to have a little red dot to the dartboard. Yes. <laughs> But many times I had to open up to find something to stabilize. And then as my mind relaxed, I didn't need such a, mm -hmm. a mm -hmm. large object. Actually, something more subtle was conducive to my mind getting quieter, mm -hmm. but not through a strain. So start with where it's easy. And then check out the subtle places of the breath and see if that helps you with getting quieter but if you strain to find a subtler place, then we're straining ourselves. So that'd be about care. Yeah. And then for these samatha practices, different tools are helpful than what we might do in mindfulness practice. So having uh, some inner support, like your very simple Thich Nhat Hanh phrases, if that helps the right attitude and staying with the breath, then whispering those things can be very helpful. I often whisper some metta phrases because I know if I'm, my mind wanders, it usually doesn't wander towards metta. <laughs> It'll tilt a little bit into aversion and critiquing myself and people. So having a little metta phrase every now and then with breathing is supportive for balance. And since we're trying to cultivate balance, tools that help that are helpful. When we do Vipassana practice, often we don't add a lot of phrases because we're actually trying to be in direct phenomena 
without choice. But here we have some choice to develop these beautiful qualities. Thank you. Um, I'm having this experience that started in that of um, of waves of energy shooting out of my shoulders. Um, it's still happening. Um, I don't know whether I should stay with it or what to do with it. Yeah. So <clears throat> your waves of energy are probably something in the PT category. So there's subtle PT, the buzzing in our fingertips. And then every now and then the energy gets intense. And every now and then, as Nikki described, it actually can have a intense pulse to it. A few things to say about it is that it's a byproduct of your meditation. And even if it's kind of enthralling, the recommendation is to let everything that's not a breath sensation be a secondary experience. Sometimes that it's helpful to turn towards it to see it so that you become a little bit disenchanted just by the familiarity of it. And sometimes you can already know there's not actually something I'm supposed to do with this energy. There's not something that will help me with this energy. It's just arising as a byproduct of practice. If there was just one nuance that would be helpful is if their energy is going uh, upwards, I would breathe and become more mindful of your lower body so that as energy is released, it will do whatever it wants. But eventually, and this could, by eventually, this could take weeks, but eventually we want the energy to flow in the body and that takes a combination of sukha and piti for it not to be so jolty. So I would relax, still trust the breath, and let that be a secondary phenomena. If it's so, if it pulls on your attention so much, you might turn towards it just to not make something great of it, but get familiar with it enough that you can come back to your breath. It actually is not a more important phenomena than your breath. Energy is being released because you're trusting your breath. Okay, everyone. That's all the time we have for questions this morning. We have some announcements. Today is Thursday. Correct? <laughs> okay, I'll get nods from the audience. Um, if you 
are, have a timepiece with you in the hall, please check that you don't accidentally have an alarm that beeps on the hour, half hour. And you might have grown so used to it that you don't hear it, but 89 other people are getting quite sensitive and they do hear it. And then there's some having to work with it. And there are a lot of sounds that are ambient and they tend not to be harsh on our attention. But that alarm was made to be harsh on our attention, to grab our attention. So please check all your watches that they not have an accidental hourly alarm on them. That said, we've now done what we can about watches. And so don't suffer over them. Just as if a flock of birds came and they made the sound of watches, that happens to be the phenomena not to suffer over. Some people have medical devices or um, some people have to have electronics on them because they interface with medical devices. So that's also something we have to live with is uh, those are necessary to have in the hall. Today is a day where we do our second mandatory, mandatory testing of COVID. And the way that works is that there's a schedule and your name is on a schedule posted outside. And there are little 15 minute windows of going down there just so we don't, uh, not everybody comes at once. So please try to go roughly within the window that you're signed up for. If it conflicts with a job that you have or some other meeting that the list maker didn't know of, you can just come after and hopefully that'll just be a few people. But for the rest of us, it helps the flow of doing such a large task if uh, you come within the window of time that you're listed for. Uh, Nikki is meeting now in the same place that she was, but actually indoors. And so you walk down the road past the wooden gate, the first path that leads to the left, you'd walk up there and then find Nikki inside. Some people can come inside the building and use the elevator if they want to get up and come to the same room. It's the West Hall. That's true, Nikki, I think. Yeah. Sorry? Yeah. The ramp is good for scooters. The, so that outside ramp walkway is the, the best entrance. Um, the folks on Philip's list today, there have been some adjustments. So if you are seeing Philip today, just take a look at that when you walk out. You might have, uh, your time has, might have been adjusted. And then lastly, um, the, for the folks who have taken eight precepts, there often is something put out of the tea meal that's specifically for eight precept people. And it's been cleared by the powers that be that that's appropriate uh, tea time food. It's often juice, uh, which is fine. And then there were certain other allowables like butter 
and honey at the time of the Buddha. They were medicinal, they were tonics, they helped with blood sugar. Um, now that sometimes looks like uh, cheese or chocolate or hard candy. It's all been approved. So you'll see in the back table that if you want something uh, for your blood sugar uh, to help with maybe some of the hunger, you can go down and see what's uh, open for eight precept people. We ask that you not take it if you're not on eight precepts so that we can get the count right of offering that. But if you're on eight precepts, you might notice what a relief not to have to even go into the dining hall in terms of more time to practice, more time to be simple. But if you do want to support your blood sugar um, or your help with hunger, um, there are allowables for it during the tea meal. Any other announcement that would be helpful? So uh, in practicing today in the movement meditation and in other sits, more than just the dutifulness of being with your breath, which is very transformational, you might use uh, faith and the sense of refuge to draw yourself into breath awareness. So not just grinding it out and putting in the hours, but noticing that the mind that can take refuge in the breath is a mind that's not encumbered or entangled with problems that will easily arise if given a chance. So herein we're using the, the positive and beautiful experience of being with breathing. So you can do that when walking and feel the, the gift of the simplicity you might use the beauty of the land to, to help with this global relaxation, but then not swim your attention around through all the beauty and all the fantasies around it. Just, oh, it's very beautiful. This is a nice place to be. And now I'm going to use that to support breath as a sanctuary from complication, from distraction, from fragmentation. So you can notice that while walking. You can notice that in future sits may even notice that while eating. Um, and then if you're not feeling the breath of the sanctuary, you might be in a lightly or heavily hindered experience. That's a great time to have breath as a sanctuary. So rather than saying, I put aside everything so I can find this sweet breath, oh, this is really difficult. Like, how could I breathe? in whatever's happening, in the sleepiness, in the irritation, so that my breath is helping me soothe, not make an enemy out of hard times, but help give me some solace while I'm going through a moment of heavy boredom or a flare-up of anger or resentment or other difficult emotional states, cognitive states. So then the breath is an ally in all circumstances. It's an ally when things are going well. It's an ally when things are challenging. And the only thing to watch out for is not ever to slip in where to get with the breath, you make another experience wrong. That causes tension. So you globally relax. This is how things are. 
And now I find breath as a refuge. Enjoy your practice today. And we'll see you down the line at a meeting or another sitting. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.